Massive show tonight. Breaking news out of the post-millennial, a Rochester Children's Hospital offering gender services for eight-year-olds. We're also going to tell the story of Fat Leonard coming up later in the show. But first, I want to announce for you that the Great Reset book is still available. TPOSA.com slash reset. Go there. Any donation, donation of any amount gets you the Great Reset book and also Want to announce, very excited to announce, that our Sunday special this week, it's coming back. We're in the Holy End for a little bit, but now it's coming back. Sunday special, myself sitting down, Human Events Daily is joined by none other than Senator Rand Paul. You don't want to miss this. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard tonight's edition of Human Events Daily. Today is September 22nd, 2022, Anno Domini. Today's top headlines, it's been revealed that the Rochester Children's Hospital is offering gender transition services for eight-year-olds, children as young as eight. Next, libs are now saying that ultrasounds make fake heartbeats at six weeks. We'll break that in. Number three, this is what I promised you guys earlier. We are going to tell the story of Fat Leonard, the criminal who's now back in custody by the U.S. Navy after a scandal who was recaptured after his jailbreak. And finally, the comic strip Dilbert canceled by 77 newspapers after incorporating anti-woke and anti-ESG content. All this and more ahead, Human Events Daily. Gender dysphoria is the experience that people have where the sex they were assigned at birth, their sort of biological sex, um, is different from their sense of self or their gender identity. Gender is not a choice. We know from years and years of research that your gender identity is set by the age of about five. Gender Health Services is a program through the Division of Adolescent Medicine. I'm the chief adolescent medicine doctor who sees patients with any gender concerns. And we are linked with endocrinology, both adult and pediatric, with mental health services in terms of psychology and therapy, with psychiatry, and we have a host of other medical treatments depending on what people need. When I work with a child who's gender expansive, it really depends where they are when they come to me. And the key here is using a, a gender affirmative type of therapy. We follow what's called the WPATH model, which is the World Professional Association for Transgender Health. And it's an international standard of care that includes a mental health provider with a hormone prescribing physician. We're here and we have a lot available. And if folks are at the very beginning of this process, if they're just starting to think about gender, if you have an eight-year-old who's sort of beginning to express these, give us a call. Give us a call if you have an eight-year-old who's starting the process. Eight years old. The international standard from WPATH says that you want a counselor that's paired with hormone therapy. And then she says, give us a call by your eight-year-old. And I want to piggyback off of what Matt Walsh uncovered over at Vanderbilt because they admitted, they said the quiet part out loud in private. The hospital administrators, right? This would be Cuddy, if you remember the show House. They're looking at this as a cash cow because they understand that if they can get you hooked at 14, 13, 12, or even, as we hear from the Golisano Children's Hospital in Rochester, as young as eight, 
that if they can get you hooked that young, they can get you hooked for life and they will continue making money off of you. This is a massive, and keep in mind, it's, it's considered elective. So whether or not they're getting the money through a gender transphoria, uh, gender dysphoria treatment that's covered by insurance or not, hospitals is getting the money either way. They're getting it from you or they're getting it from your insurer. So understand, understand how insidious this process is because they'll get people like this crazy woman. And by the way, this video, keep in mind that they made, they were so excited about their little video. Bring your eight-year-olds in. Give us a call. We'll give you a promo code for it. Operators are standing by in Rochester. Understand. So Libby Emmons got this from a whistleblower because that video has been scrubbed. It's been scrubbed from the website. It's been scrubbed from the hospital. Why, would, why wouldn't they want to show this video, this great video, offering all the wonderful things, the treatments, and the affordable care for eight-year-olds to transition their gender? So Libby Evans over at Post Millennial, they have a whistleblower who's come forward. And we might just be, no, I'm sorry. We're definitely going to be getting more information from this whistleblower and the specific case that's going on at that hospital right now. Children as young as eight years old are starting the process. And you notice, you don't hear any talk from her whatsoever of, well, maybe there's their kids and, you know, we just have to get them to accept themselves because that used to be the standard. The standard was you are, as you were born, as you were created, you're going to accept yourself. No, 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 no. She says, we're going to put you right into the process. And that's go back to Kafka. Kafka's great novel, The Trial. What's it called in the original German? Der Prozess. We will put you in the process. So understand. The process is a process of transforming your gender, the gender you were born with, to a gender that in this case, these people tell you that you'll have. Children's Hospital, Rochester, New York. They took the video down. Libby Emmons at the Post Millennial recovered it. Why did you scrub the video, Rochester? We'd like some answers. Ladies and gentlemen, with everything so expensive these days, I have some good news for you. My Patriot Supply, the nation's largest preparedness company, is knocking 20% off the price of their three-month emergency food kit. That's right, 20% off. All you have to do is go to preparewithposo.com. My Patriot Supply wants to help people as much as possible, so they're knocking 20% off the regular price of this three-month kit. But the sale ends in just a few days, so don't miss your chance to save money while getting prepared. Remember, Food is the first thing to disappear in a crisis. Grab yours today, and this food will be there when you need it most. To order, go to preparewithposo.com. You want to get one kit per person while you save 20% per kit with promo code POSO at preparewithposo.com. You or, your order will ship fast and free and arrive in unmarked boxes for your privacy. Go to preparewithposo.com. designed to convince people that men have the right to take control of a woman's body. 
So at about three weeks after gestation or after conception, the heart, uh, the, the cells of the heart, the myocardium starts to rhythmically contract. So really the heart starts beating at three weeks. Mm. Yes, you can start seeing the heartbeat five to six weeks after conception on the ultrasound, but that's only because it's so small and because of all the other structures are in the way with the pelvis. But that heart is contracting very easy. Early on, it is, it is not a conspiracy. It is not anything to do with what she's talking about. The heart typically beats about 113 times per minute. Note how the heart changes color as blood enters and leaves its chambers. With each beat, the heart will beat approximately 54 million times before birth and over 3.2 billion times over the course of an 80-year lifespan. So there's no heartbeat, no heartbeat until much later in your life. Doesn't exist. You don't have one. It's not a thing. And furthermore, so not only is this what the libs are pushing now, the Washington Post, none other than the Washington Post themselves, I'm going to pull up the tweet here, has come in to defend these insane comments. Let me read it to you. There's no such thing as a heartbeat at six weeks. It is a manufactured sound designed to convince people that men have the right to take control of a woman's body. Now here's Glenn Kessler, Herr Kessler, Herr Kessler of the Washington Post. For what it's worth, <laughs> for what it's worth, the, the fetal heartbeat is a misnomer. The ultrasound picks up electrical activity generated by an embryo. The so-called heartbeat sound you hear is actually created by the ultrasound. Not until 10 weeks can the opening and closing of cardiac valves detected by a Doppler machine be read. And you're like, these people are insane. Or are they? Because apparently all of this comes back all of this comes back to an article, of course, written by none other than The Atlantic. And what does The Atlantic say? Well, according to The Atlantic, <laughs> look at this article. It gets into the Heartbeat Protection Act, but it says, is it true? The idea would have been unthinkable before the advent of this heartbeat protection bill, before the advent of a technology that was developed in 1976, a real-time ultrasound. But listen to this. At six weeks, the heartbeat is not audible. It is visible, a flickering that takes place between 120 and 160 times per minute on a black and white playback screen. As cardiac cells develop, they begin to send electrical pulses that cause their neighbors to contract. Scientists can observe the same effect if they culture cells in a Petri dish. Doctors do not call this rapidly dividing cell mass a fetus until nine weeks into the pregnancy. Yet the current debate shows how effectively politicians have used visual technology to redefine what counts as life. <laughs> I don't know. What do you think is flickering on the screen? That place that's kind of at the center of the fetus. What do you think it is that's moving? That's a heart. That's a heart that's beating, you criminal monsters, you scum, you absolute scum. Obviously, it's a child's heart. And they're trying to play word games with this. They're trying to play word games. Well, it's actually just the electrical input. Guess what? 
Got some news for you there, genius. Everything in your body is controlled by electrical impulses. That's how you work. That's how human life exists on this planet. Yes, in the physical sense, it comes down to electrical impulse. Guess how your brain works. Guess how your thoughts work. It's electrical synapses, you freaks. This is laying the grain work, groundwork. This is political predictive programming because they're laying the groundwork for the transhumanist agenda. They want you to think that you're just a bunch of electrical impulses and synapses, and that's all that makes you a human being. They want you to believe that you have no soul. They want you to believe that you have no spirit. Let me tell you something. You do. You have a soul. You have an immutable spirit that is known to God, and you have unique DNA from the moment of conception. What's flickering in there 120 to 160 times a minute? A heart that's beating you absolute scumbags. I want to, I want to vomit. I actually want to vomit after this. Can somebody get me a bucket? Get me a bucket. So the three week rule might be the best financial advice ever. Now, what is the three week rule? Well, you wait three weeks to buy your new car, wait three weeks to refi your new home mortgage and wait three weeks to finance any major purchase. Why three weeks? Because that's how fast the average ScoreMaster user takes to boost his or her credit score an average of 61 points. And listen, 61 points added to your credit score can save you tens of thousands on everything that you finance. ScoreMaster technology was developed by credit data scientists to boost your credit score higher and faster than you ever thought possible. ScoreMaster is so easy, it takes about a minute to get started and you don't have to wait months before your best credit score. How many points can you add to your credit score? Be sure to visit scoremaster.com slash POSO for a special seven day trial that I got you. So if you want seven days to try it out, Go to scoremaster.com slash poso. As always, the link will be in the description. It's, it's huge risk for me to, you know, do what I'm doing. But I'm so upset with that. Well, I'm portrayed as the bad guy when I wasn't the bad guy. I did everything that they wanted me to do. I've lived my life. I've been up just close to heaven and down to hell. I've seen it all. So my legacy is important too. We're all going to die one day. And I only fear God, I don't fear nobody else. And of course, you know, I've got to face my judge one day, you know, and it's all in her hands, you know, that's about it. How many life sentences can you give me? One, two, 10. Fat Leonard, Fat Leonard, Leonard the Fat, Leonard Glenn Francis, AKA Fat Leonard. Who is this guy? What's his story? Gather around. The Bluetooth speaker children gather around the AirPods. Should be using AirPods, by the way. Go back. Don't that stuff goes through your brain. Don't do it. Who is Fat Leonard? We're going to tell you the story of Leonard the Fat. Gather around, children. Leonard the Fat, a Malaysian national, is a guy who bilked the United States Navy out of $35 million by bribing officers up and down the Pacific. He operated out of Singapore. And now here's how, here's how the scam works. When a U.S. Navy ship pulls into port, all the money from the port services has to get paid. So the ship has to get fuel, it has to get food, it has to get serviced, maintenance, anything that needs to get done, the sailors, obviously, right? So the U.S. government pays all that money to the port services. But which ports get chosen? Well, Fat Leonard set it up for about a decade that they would be his ports. 
and it only cost him, it only cost him about $500,000. And what was he doing? Listen to this. Fat Leonard bribed a large number of uniformed officers of the United States 7th Fleet, the 7th Fleet is Pacific, the fleet that I was in when I was in the Navy, with at least half a million dollars in cash, plus travel expenses, luxury items, carousels, and prostitutes in return for classified material. By the way, that was, the, that was Fat Leonard uh, speaking out at the beginning of this. In return, he received classified material about the movements of U.S. ships and submarines, keep in mind, confidential contracting information and information about active law enforcement, their own investigation into his company, Glenn Defense Marine Asia. Francis Fat Leonard then exploited the intelligence for profit, brazenly ordering his moles to redirect aircraft carriers, ships, and subs to ports that he controlled in Southeast Asia so that he could more easily bilk the U.S. government out of fuel, tugboats, barges, food, water, and sewage removal. <laughs> this guy, by the way, so he's been on trial. There's been uh, something like two dozen officers that have either pled guilty or taken plea deals or, or gone on trial, I should say, in this case, out of San Diego. Fat Leonard himself was on house arrest in San Diego while he awaits sentencing. However, a couple of weeks ago, September 4th, they go up to the house. They say NCIS is there. They say, where's Fat Leonard? Disappeared, right? The, the idiots at NCIS couldn't figure this one out that apparently some of the neighbors said, well, there's been some U-Haul trucks going in and out lately. We thought he was getting some furniture in. He cut off his ankle bracelet, escaped in a U-Haul trailer, made it across the border. San, San Diego, remember, makes it across the border from San Diego into Mexico. By the way, you really should have just held him in Hawaii so he couldn't do this. But again, idiots. Makes it into Mexico, flies through Cuba to Venezuela. He gets picked up by Interpol in Venezuela. People think that he may have been trying to make it all the way to Russia, pull basically an Ed Snowden, where he wouldn't be able to get extradited to the United States. So Fat Leonard, this character, and he'll turn around and say, look, I didn't do anything that those officers and admirals didn't ask me to do. I merely offered them something that they wanted. And he recorded everything. He was blackmailing people left and right. But he would never have been able to conduct his scandal had the officers of the United States Navy not been corrupt and not be willing to go along with these illicit, degenerate sexual practices and bribes. So take a good look. This is the leadership of our military. This has been the leadership in 7th Fleet, and these are the people, supposedly, that are going to fight China. While Dilber is being uh, the most notable critic of ESG, and while large financial entities are the biggest promoters of it, um, did you know that most newspapers are owned now by large financial entities? And uh, one of those uh, big uh, financial entities, they own a big chain of newspapers, the fourth biggest chain of newspapers. And they have 77 papers that are all part of one financial entity. And they decided to revamp their uh, comics page. And one of, the, one of the comics that got cut is Dilbert. So Dilbert won't be in 77 newspapers. Some people said, my God, 
Is that because of what you've been saying politically? To which I say, how would I know? I would have no way to know that. Because I, I don't have direct contact with the newspapers. When a newspaper cuts a comic, especially if it's a, let's say, a high-profile comic, typically they give a reason. Um, in this case, no reason was given. So that's Scott Adams, uh, host of Scott Adams Says, Real Coffee with Scott Adams, who was breaking the news to his audience on the podcast that Dilbert, an extremely popular cartoon about working in, in big, um, big companies, working in offices, office life, that Dilbert has been canceled by 77 newspapers. Now, what's interesting is that Scott Adams recently have been incorporating anti-woke content inside those comics, including a new black character who identifies the black character identifies as white. Of course, and this just it's so funny. They have, they have this one comic strip up, and Post Millennial has the story. Uh, he's saying, it's talking to his manager, and he says, Dave, I need, to, I need to boost our company's ESG rating, so I'm promoting you to be our CTO. I know you identify as white, so that won't help our ESG scores, but would you be too much trouble to identify as gay? And he goes, well... Depends how hard you want me to sell it. He goes, just just wear better shirts. <laughs> it's hilarious, right? Absolutely hilarious. And uh, it's, it's been written and illustrated by Scott Adams since 1989, so a very, very long time. Um, and yet, it's now being canceled. Now, Adams specifically said that he wanted to cancel and go after ESG. So he was really targeting ESG, and this new character, Dave, was going to be used to go after this. And he says that Dave is a, a prankster that's named after his brother and is a prankster that likes to mess with his boss, who is happy to have me, because it, it's these idea is that um, it's diversity quotas. So you have to do that. And what did Adam say? All of the wokeness and anything that permeated from ESG, so that stuff made its way into the business world, and then it became popular content for Dilbert, proper content. The problem is that people see that even though it's a workplace-related joke, it's more about how they implement it. So, okay, in this case, obviously, he's talking about these diversity quotas. And then he goes, I want to talk to employees about how they want to handle the situation. It's about the goal of it. But that's enough to make people think that I must be taking sides politically. So kind of his point here is not so much that he's saying that you shouldn't have diversity in the office. I mean, he's not saying that. But he's saying that now that you've and these companies have introduced diversity quotas and woke quotas throughout the entire system that, how, just think of it, right? How much of your time now is being spent focused on meeting your goals, meeting your diversity quotas, meeting all of this stuff? And so what do they do? Because he's using this massive platform to go after it, now they go to cancel him. It ain't just Alex Jones being canceled anymore, folks. Now they're canceling Dilbert, literally Dilbert, because he's making jokes that are viewed as not politically correct. Well, Scott Adams, I say I commend you for taking this stand. And if this is how it's going to go down, I appreciate you going down swinging rather than simply fading off. And that's all the time we have tonight for Human Events Daily. Remember, as always, our promise, our oath, our solemn vow to you. Be good, be brief, be gone. Your homework for us. Leave us your five-star review, Apple, Spotify, wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. And then make sure, make sure to share this out with one just one of your normie friends. What did we talk about tonight? The Rochester Children's Hospital and this huge scoop out of the post-millennial offering gender transition services. They say, call us if your eight-year-old begins having questions. Next. Lib saying that ultra spreading an actual conspiracy theory, by the way, 
that ultrasounds make fake heartbeats, that the machines make fake heartbeats at six weeks. No, the, the heart is actually beating, as a matter of fact. Next, Fat Leonard, criminal, is in U.S. Navy custody, recaptured in Venezuela after his jailbreak, and we told you the story of Fat Leonard. And then finally, Dilbert, the comic, canceled in 77 newspapers after incorporating anti-woke content. You know, when I think about stories like this, you really understand that you, you look at something like the Fat Leonard situation, which all he was doing was serving a corrupt society, right? This was not something that he chose. The corruption was the people. All he did was feed into it. This is the same kind of corruption that we see in a society that would cancel Dilbert for simply telling the truth. But let's go back. Let's go back to when our country was amazing. Let's go back to a quote from 1776 and an event the first U.S. spy, Nathan Hale, September 22nd, 1776, caught during the American Revolution, and without trial, he was executed by British troops on Long Island with the most famous last words in American history, I regret that I have but one life to lose for my country. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, you have my permission to lay ashore.